Welcome to The Parent Pod, a happy place to find out all about pregnancy and the start of parenthood from the information-packed babycentre.co.uk. Hello, I'm Lucy. And I'm Claire. And we're here with a podcast for every week of your pregnancy, full of really useful takeaway information, candid admissions from our own experiences, having both had two children, and top advice from experts. We won't leave you holding the baby either. This podcast series takes you right up to when your new baby is 12 weeks old. So it's our penultimate episode and we have a cork for you. Yes, we're going to be doing a health check MOT for you this week, talking about postnatal depression, along with a host of other tips for your overall health. And in things to think about, we will be discussing next steps food-wise for your baby. Don't worry, it's still milk on the menu for now, but we will look ahead to what's coming next. We hope you're all nailing parenthood now. You're becoming quite a dab hand. No doubt you could win a nappy-changing contest against any non-parent or parent of an older child's hands down. Yeah, and with your eyes closed. Yeah, enjoy it while they still don't wiggle too much and fight to escape with poo trailing behind them. You've got all that to come. Yeah, let's face it. Parenthood is like folding a fitted sheet. No one really knows how to do it. You just have to do your best. (laughs) Okay, what's up with baby? What's happening for baby? So baby might be getting a bit more mobile, but don't worry, he won't be walking over and opening the kitchen cupboards just yet. But it's a heads up that that time's not too far away. So it might be worth thinking about things like cords of blinds or curtains things that he can grab hold of catches for cupboard doors and things that he might just kind of grab when you're changing him that kind of thing yes and there's plenty of equipment you can buy to help from cooker guards to bath thermometers and fridge locks everything's designed to keep those little fingers out of trouble there's a great guide on baby center but for now he may be reaching out and grabbing a toy you dangle in front of him and finally starting to be interested in all those toys you've been accumulating for several weeks. Yeah, exactly. And keep on reading to him. It's so useful to his language development and books are a great way of starting an idea from pretending to be a pirate to a prowling tiger. Yeah, to capture your baby's attention when reading, you can vary the pitch of your voice, use accents, make funny faces and sing. Yeah, if he looks away or loses interest while you're reading. Yeah, like take the hint then. (laughs) Yeah, take your cue from his responses and try something else. I bet you make reading fun, Claire. What with that funny face? Yeah, yeah. Well, also, I can imagine you putting on a few silly accents, Lucy. Oh, I don't know what you mean. (laughs) What's happening for you? Okay, so I have to admit, I've become a bit guilty of this next thing we're going to talk about. Oh, what's that? Well, over-offering advice to new parents. Oh no, have you become one of those know-it-alls that parents hate? Well, I'm trying not to, but I met with some friends who had a baby recently, and I actually caught myself saying, oh, don't forget the muslins in case he's sick. (laughs) Did they look at you like, we don't need any more advice, thanks? Yes, exactly. Well, they were actually really sweet about it, but I dread to think what they were thinking inside. (laughs) I wonder what they said behind your back. I know. (laughs) You've guessed it. We're talking about when you have a baby and everyone seems keen to give you the benefits of their own wisdom, even when you haven't asked for it. Things like, shouldn't he be wearing a jumper? Or he won't grow big and strong if you don't feed him solid soon that kind of thing it's whether the advice is right or wrong oh it's irritating if you haven't asked for it isn't it yeah so how can we deal with this unwanted parenting advice well don't take everything you hear seriously yeah (laughs) everyone's got their own opinion no one knows your baby as well as you do so even when friends relatives or even strangers offer unwanted advice i think take it with a pinch of salt do what works best for your family Yeah, I think most people mean well. They're just like looking at your baby and sometimes make helpful comments simply to have something to say, really. Yeah, you could try replying with sort of something really non-committal like, oh, thanks, I'll have a think about that. Also, I found grandparents have 
their own ideas about feeding and sleep, which can be helpful, but sometimes not. So you could try enlisting a third party, sort of swing it that way. So say something like, oh, thanks, mum. I'll see what my health visitor says. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. No one's going to suggest that you go against the health visitor's advice. Hopefully. No. Yeah. So this week we're asking that question that goes through so many of our heads. Am I doing okay? How do I know if these are normal feelings or a sign of a problem? So yes, we're all about post depression. And if you were like me, it's something I worried about a bit. I really didn't want it, obviously. And so I was pretty wary about how I felt. And if I was feeling anxious, I was wondering if that was the start of post depression. And did you have it, Claire? No, I didn't. Although there is also another sister illness to postnatal depression that some people recognise as postnatal anxiety. And I think I probably had that mildly, but not too badly, thankfully. I think some anxiety when you have a baby is normal, isn't it? You're suddenly responsible for keeping alive another little being. And I think anxiety is a natural response to protect your baby. And often that's expressed with hyper alertness or hyper vigilance. Yeah, so I don't think it's unusual, although... Correct me if you think I was being a bit extreme here, Lucy. But I used to hold onto the banister going down the stairs so carefully as I really worried about tripping down the stairs while I was holding my newborn. And I would walk against the wall because I used to get worried that somehow my baby was going to leap from my arms and (laughs) fall down the stairwell. I had a lot of worst case scenarios running through my head, I think. I felt exactly the same. I can totally relate to that. I remember having a a chat with a group of friends and we all kind of said it. And we used to start calling it our dark thoughts of all the horrible things that could happen. I guess we probably all have some thoughts of disaster striking, but it's the distinction of whether you manage them as normal anxieties and move on or if you actually start to feel really overwhelmed by them. Yeah, that's the thing. And I think if you know your worries are rational, say you don't want anyone else to hold your baby, for example, and you can't get them out of your brain, that sort of starts to suggest that you may be tipping the scale. The same is true if your anxiety is changing your normal behaviour quite drastically. So maybe you've stopped driving with your baby or if panic attacks come out of the blue or if it interferes with your ability to function because maybe you keep checking your baby throughout the night. Yeah, and there's lots of reasons why you might start feeling anxious. Apart from the reality of what you're doing and the lack of sleep and everything, which makes everything feel harder, you've also experienced some massive hormonal changes. Ah, oh, our friends the hormones. Yeah. If you've had anxiety before or there's a history of anxiety in your family, this may also increase your chances of experiencing postnatal anxiety. What are the headlines here, Claire? Okay, so firstly, a certain level of anxiety is a natural response to parenthood, and it's what makes us so good at keeping babies safe, actually. It can be tiring, but you're programmed to nurture. However, there's always an extreme, and if you're finding that you're up at that end of the spectrum where you're having trouble sleeping or you're getting physical symptoms of anxiety, then help us out there. Yeah, talk about it. Tell your partner if you've got a partner, your mum, your friends. That might be enough to alleviate it, but... If it's not, then it's worth having a chat with your doctor or health visitor. And there is lots of help out there. So things like talking therapies, cognitive behavioural therapy, exercise even, they can all have a great effect. Yeah. And relaxation techniques and medication. Okay, so we've talked about anxiety, but we also wanted to have a chat about postnatal depression in our penultimate podcast, didn't we? Because we don't want to leave any of you suffering with this and not going to get help. We live in a much better time for talking about mental health than ever before for, you know, understanding and support. Oh, yeah. And postnatal depression is sometimes confused with the baby blues. Just to be clear, the baby blues are when you're feeling sort of moody and weepy and tired and anxious during the first 10 days after giving birth. These feelings will usually pass within a few days, won't they? Um, Yeah, and it's normal to have that kind of crash, isn't it? Yeah, but if you're still feeling depressed now at this stage, then this is probably the time when you need to go and get extra help and support. 
Yeah, it's important to get support you need as soon as you need it, particularly if you do think you've got postnatal depression. Yeah, and the reason why we're going down this sort of slightly public health announcement is because postnatal depression is surprisingly common, affecting more than one in 10 mums within a year of giving birth. And as some mums don't seek help, there's probably even more than that, to be honest. Yeah. It's also worth noting that postnatal depression can affect dads and partners, can't it? Yeah. There's a great article on Baby Centre about this. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll also put the symptoms of postnatal depression. So if you're worried about yourself or someone else, then check it out. Yes. And there's also a quiz on the Baby Centre website if you want to work out where you are at. Yeah, that's worth doing. Yeah, and speaking out that you have a problem doesn't mean that you're a bad mother or that your baby or children will be taken away from you. So explain how you feel to your GP or health visitor so that they can give you the support and treatment you need. Postnatal depression is an illness and with the right help, you'll get better. I know several people who suffered and they're fine now. They saw their GP, they got treatment and support and they're so relieved to be better. Yeah, I know some friends as well. So we'll put lots of info in the show notes, signposting to get help and support. So beyond PND and exercise, which we've talked about in the last few weeks, the remaining check at this stage are periods. Um, It's hard to say exactly when your periods will start again, isn't it, Lucy? Yeah, the timing's different for every mum. And it depends on your body as well as how you're feeding your baby. So your periods will take longer to come back if you're breastfeeding. If you're lucky, it could be up to a year before you have a period if you're breastfeeding around the clock. Yeah, that sounds like some kind of breastfeeding challenge, doesn't it? (laughs) Um, But I think, yeah, mine came back about seven months post-baby, essentially a month or so after I stopped feeding. Yeah, and don't be surprised if your periods are different to before. I think my first one was really heavy and then yeah. the next few were and then they kind of settled down. And yeah, it's just really, it's really changed. Yeah, and also just to say, if you're formula feeding your baby, you may start your periods again anytime between five weeks and three months after giving birth. Yeah, so you could be fertile again just three weeks after having your baby. Oh, yeah. What do you expect this week? So this week we're talking about feeding. Hopefully you're now fairly comfortable with whichever way your baby's getting milk, be it breastfeeding or formula. But just to confuse things, we're going to look ahead to the future slightly and have a quick chat about weaning, which happens around the six month mark. Just to give you the heads up about the next stage. So you have a few months to plan for it. Yeah, the guidance is milk until six months, isn't it? Yes. So what are the signs babies are ready for solids, Lucy? Is it when they start grabbing your food? Yeah, grabbing food can be a sign and they also need to be holding their head steady, sitting well with support and picking up objects and putting them to their mouth. Talk to your health visitor before giving your baby food if it's before the six month mark though, because that is the guidance. Yeah, but were you under pressure to start weaning your babies early at all, Lucy? Um, I don't think I was under pressure. Because I already found that the older generation were very keen to get my hungry baby onto solids. Oh, right, okay. And they seemed to think that it would be the answer for sleeping through and everything. They often cited the ridiculous things that their child had eaten, like, sub six months. Right. Um, So I just had to try and sort of let it slide to make it to the six-month mark. Yeah. Um, But so were you a pure purea, Lucy, or did you end up going with baby-led weaning? I was a bit of both. I was probably more baby led second time around just because I kind of had more of an understanding about it and had heard more about it. I remember a friend being really shocked when my son was eating ham as a baby and she was sort of saying, oh my goodness, he's just gumming up the meat. And I was like, yeah, yeah, he is. But yeah, I was a bit of both. Yeah, I was a bit of both as well. Mostly baby led, um, but with just a few purees thrown in and tons of avocado and carrot oh, right. later, mostly strewn across the floor. I realised how thankful I was. I had a dog, I think. Really. Oh, I hated the clean up. I, I needed your dog. That, yeah. <laughs> that was the yeah, thing. I should have rented the dog out. Yeah. Yeah, so you can go for spoon feeding your baby, pureed or mashed food, can't you? Um, yeah. Baby led weaning, if you haven't heard of it, it, it's when you let your baby feed themselves. So you give them whole pieces of finger food um, that are kind of softish, not just kind of really hard stuff, but things like 
pieces of pear, cooked carrot battens, banana, that kind of thing. And then they feed themselves. But you can do a combination of both. There's no right ways there. So it's it's worth experimenting, seeing what works for you and your baby. Yeah, have a bit of fun with it. Um, in reality, most parents end up doing a combination of the two, I think. For example, you might find it easier to let your baby join in with family meals at home, but then yeah. feed her a quick ready meal when you're out and about. Yeah, I mean, you may like to spoon feed puree in the comfort of your kitchen, but then let her nibble on a rice cake when you're in a cafe. Yeah, get them to clean up the mess. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes it's also about the, what the baby defines and what they prefer. Yeah, there are benefits of both methods. So Lucy, I have made up a top five of the benefits of each method. So let's kick off with baby led weaning. Okay, far away. Okay, number five, joining in with the rest of the family at mealtimes can be great fun for your baby and a fantastic bonding experience. She'll be able to enjoy the same food as the rest of the family, provided there's no sugar or salt in her portion, obviously. So you won't have to make a separate meal, which is nice. And she'll learn a lot by watching you all eat. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed having my baby sitting there munching through the same food. At number four, your baby can enjoy the independence of choosing what to eat first and go at her own pace. Feeding herself is also great practice for her hand-eye coordination. Yeah, that's really true. And at number three, baby-led weaning lets you introduce your baby to a range of different tastes and textures right from the start. Although it can be messy, many babies love the sensation of like moulding and squishing their food before it goes anywhere near their mouths. <laughs> I remember many a spaghetti bolognese on my son's head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, enjoying a wider range of foods actually might help your baby have a more varied diet when they grow up because they've tasted lots of different things. Yeah. And at number one, um, for baby led weaning, meal times become less stressful. You don't need to prepare separate meals and you can just let your baby get on with feeding herself instead of encouraging or cajoling her at each bite sort of thing. Yeah, very true. Okay, now for the benefits of purees. Okay, so at number five, remember the dog comment, baby led winning can be very messy with more food ending up on the floor than in your little one's mouth. So spoon feeding gives you more control so you can minimise the mess. At number four, some babies prefer the smooth food at the start and it may take them time to get used to new textures so purees might be a bit easier. Yeah, and number three for purees, it's easier to tell how much your little one's eating. So you may feel more reassured that she's getting all the vitamins and minerals she needs. Oh yeah, at number two, pureed sachets and jars can be convenient when you're out and about. So sometimes just having those in your bag with you can be a bit easier. Yep, and at number one, you're probably wasteless, as we mentioned before. More in the mouth, less on the floor. <laughs> okay, moving on. Are there any foods that you shouldn't gift your baby though? Uh, in a word, yes. Um, the main one is adding salt or sugar. Too much salt, um, that's more than one gram of salt a day, is bad for your baby's kidneys. So check food labels carefully to make sure she's not getting too much. And if your baby's eating family meals, then just put the salt on the table rather than adding it beforehand. Sugar's bad for your baby's teeth, so don't add sugar to her meals. And avoid giving her sweet foods such as cakes and biscuits and sugary drinks. But I remember the one that surprised me was honey, because your baby can't actually have that until they're 12 months old. That's because it contains a bacteria that can actually make them ill. Ah. Oh. They want to avoid. Yeah, and another thing is whole nuts. They can be dangerous for children under five because of the risk of choking, obviously. Yeah. Um, crushed nuts and nut butters are safe for your baby. And if there's a history of allergies in your family, then have a word with your GP before you give them peanuts. There are some types of seafood that aren't safe for your baby, but I'd be surprised if anyone's got these on their menu when they start <laughs> their baby on solids. But for the record, shark, swordfish and marlin. Marlin? What yeah. is marlin? Marlin, I know. Who knows what exotic meals you're all, you're all planning on making, but it contains high levels of mercury, so it's not safe for your baby. And while we're talking exotic foods, raw shellfish isn't safe for your babies as it can cause food poisoning. So your baby may have to wait for their first try of an oyster. <laughs> 
Your baby needs plenty of energy to grow, so offer full-fat milk, yogurt and cheese rather than low-fat options. However, it's best to avoid foods that are high in saturated fat, so that's things like crisps, biscuits and cakes. Oh, yeah, good point. It's perfectly safe for your baby to eat runny eggs, which might surprise you, and foods made with raw eggs, but that's provided they're stamped with the British Lion quality stamp. This means that the risk of salmonella poisoning is really low. Eggs without this stamp should be fully cooked until the white and yolk are both solid before offering them to your baby. My baby's loved a dippy egg. And of course, you can keep breastfeeding at the same time as weaning or continue with formula. Lots more weaning information on Baby Centre. So that brings us to an end for this week. We should remind you that podcasts don't replace medical advice and you should speak to your doctor or health visitor if you have any concerns. We hope you stay well, stay healthy and look forward to our final podcast next week for Newborn Week 12. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to The Parent Pod. If you'd like more expert advice and information, chat to others at your stage of pregnancy or get emails tailored to you and your baby. Download the Baby Centre app now or visit babycentre.co.uk. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Baby Centre UK. All the info we cover in each episode is linked in our show notes. If you loved our podcast and found it useful, please rate and review The Parent Pod wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to share it with your partner and friends.